welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. And we have something exciting today. Yeah, something quite a bit different. Yeah, we have our first Film Obsessed Couple series. Yes, not talking directly about a movie. Yeah, it's going to be called Celebrity Spotlight. Unless that's taken. Did you see if it was? I checked. Okay, (laughs) then Celebrity Spotlight it will be. And unless I'm wrong, it's cool. Patent pending, patent pending. (laughs) If somebody has it, please let me know and I'll change it. Well, yes, if someone has it, whenever you thought of it, we thought of it the day before. (laughs) So... Celebrity Spotlight, a little bit of what it is and how it came about, is I'm a little bit weird and Scott is a little bit normal as far as movies. He loves movies and I'm more into death. Oh, okay. (laughs) That is not where I saw that going. I know, right? (laughs) So I'm morbid and I'm like, man, I wonder what I could incorporate into the film obsessed couple that has to do with like death or something crazy and i'm like hey i could talk about celebrity deaths and i was like well how is that gonna happen anyway i guess you don't need everything in my brain because that's scary (laughs) yeah and when people pass away i am so curious about their life yes like how did they live what was it like so that's what i want to bring to this but it be more celebrity since we talk about movies and films and things like that so If you have any suggestions, the only qualifications is that they have to be on some kind of television show, movie, it doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. and they have to be dead. So it's more like you want to kind of know what they contributed. Yeah. It's like to see what they've done now that they're gone. Yeah, a little bit of what they've done. And I'm going to go through from childhood to death. Okay. So a lot of stuff. This first one is like a lot. The second one that I'm already doing is not so much. But so... If you're like, holy shit, this is two hours, the next one's going to be shorter. (laughs) All right. So today we're going to be talking about Lucille Ball. Yeah, all right. So I want to start out first just saying a quote from Lucy. And I'm going to call her Lucy. I know she's Lucille Ball, but Lucille doesn't really come off the lips very well for me. So I'm just going to say Lucy. Everyone really knows her. Like, I love Lucy. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So quote, people with happy childhoods never overdo. They don't strive or exert themselves. They're moderate, pleasant, well-liked, and good citizens. Society needs them, but the tremendous drive and dedication necessary to succeed in any field, not only show business, often seems to be rooted in disturbed childhood. I wasn't unloved or unwanted child, but I was moved around a lot, and then death and cruel circumstances brought my painful separation. Oh, brought many painful separations, end quote. And that was directly from Lucille. I've thought about that. I've wondered, you know, like comedians, you know, a lot of comedians, it seems like they have troubled histories. Like Robin Williams, Mm -hmm. a lot of depression and stuff. And Mitch Hedberg, depression. And, you know, you just, you wonder, you know, is there something that causes you to be successful if you have a traumatic past? Right, exactly. And, And I don't think she was talking about mean, like, if you don't have a traumatic past, then you can't be an actor or actress. She's just saying it's probably easier because you've already had hard times and acting's hard i mean boy she went through some shit and we will talk about all of it all right so first lucy was born on august 9th uh, 1911 in jamestown new york she was the oldest child of henry durrell ball and desiree evelyn hunt her dad henry 
had a great paying job working for the Bell Telephone Company, which is nice because, you know, I heard kids are expensive. Well, back in the day, I'm sure that paid pretty well. Yeah, exactly. The only downfall is that the telephone company, they had to move constantly. Oh, yeah. And I didn't move a whole lot as a child, but uh, a few times that we did, it really affected me. Really? Like, oh, I, I, bet. I can remember it. I was sad to leave home and I was sad to leave my friends. So moving, you know, gosh, state to state, city to city. Yeah. That's That's got to be rough. I remember as a kid, I was always disappointed that we never moved houses. I was always like, oh, something new. Yeah. I, or, you know, friends would do that. And my parents are still living in the house that I grew up in. Yeah, no. But I'm just like, yeah, that would be traumatic, especially if you're moving states. Right. You're giving up everything that you know. I I just, wow. Yeah. So another thing traveling around this time was uh, typhoid fever. Yeah. It was pretty widespread. And according to the National Library of Medicine, immunizations against typhoid were developed in 1911. So kind of when it started. However, a antibiotic treatment was not developed until 1984 oh well like shit if you got immunized then you were kind of okay even though we know that's not 100 percent. right but if you got it you're fucked even um, with the immunizations is that what that was saying what well, that means it didn't really say but mm. i can only guess because if we all know through the pandemic that we're currently in the vaccines are fake right <laughs> no <laughs> no we don't want to spread that word no. that Vaccines are not a hundred percent, so they do help regardless. Yes. But precautions that they had to do to protect themselves was boil all water, doesn't Ooh. matter if it was cleaning, whatever, and then quarantine those that were affected. So, yeah, kind of like a pandemic, except we didn't have to. We don't have to boil our water, thank goodness. Yeah, although we did do certain things, like we wiped our groceries down. Still do. Yeah, for the time being. Yeah, we're kind of. We're probably a little more eccentric than other people. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, so when, unfortunately, when Lucy was three years old, her father was struck ill with typhoid fever. Oh, wow. And, and he did not last long. He passed away February of 1915. Damn. Yeah. A quote Lucy said around, uh, in an interview around this time, not this time, but when she was older. Yeah. Um, she said, I do remember everything that happened. Hanging out the window, begging to play with the kids next door who had measles, the doctor coming, my mother weeping. I remember a bird that flew in the window, a picture that fell off the wall, end quote. Damn. Because, yeah, because I guess while the doctor was there, a bird got in the house and was flying all around. Oh, wow. And that's how the picture got knocked off. And from then on, she was afraid of birds. Wow. Which I understand. Yeah. I mean... Then you would associate birds with death. Because <laughs> how old was she at this time? She was three. Wow. To remember that, that's, I would say that's probably a pretty traumatic memory to remember that. Yeah. If you're that young and you remember something, it was traumatic. Yeah. Lucy's mom, Dee Dee, was pregnant with Lucy's brother, Fred, at the time of Henry's death. Oh, wow. Uh, even though Henry's family was well off, she received very little support from them. I'm thinking they were greedy and didn't want to share their wealth. Because in 1865, Henry's grandpa discovered some oil on his land, Mm -hmm. which was in Pennsylvania. And finding oil is like finding a gold mine. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah, you're going to get rich. Real rich. He sold his farm for $750,000, which today would be a little over $13 million. Yeah. Wow. Like, wow. Back then, yeah, that's an insane amount of money. But you have this money... 
and you have a daughter-in-law that has two kids, and you're not going to help them? I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, they'll never listen to this, but my dad's dad, my grandfather, his dad, very, very cheap. Very cheap. Yeah. And I think that's what led to my grandpa being that way, too. My mom always tells the story of, like, at Christmas time, I think he would give everybody, like, a silver dollar. <laughs> he would go around, he's giving people silver dollars. My mom's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Which I'm sure that'd be worth na something now, probably. But back then, it was just like, oh, you gave, you spent like 10 bucks on everybody. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just the generation, but I, I do have some experience with cheap in-laws. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can only speculate that he ended up hoarding his money and being a grumpy old man for the remainder of his life. Probably. And that's just awful. So another sad thing is Dee Dee's mom, Flora, was diagnosed with uterine cancer about the same time of Henry's death. So Jesus. she has her husband that died, and now her mom has freaking cancer in the 1900s. Yeah. Ooh, I wonder what the treatment was like back then. Yeah, that I don't know. I didn't really go into that. Yeah. Uh, she does end up living. At least it doesn't say anything about her dying. So what they did was they just packed up and moved in with her parents, which was in... Celeron, New York. Sorry if I say that wrong. I don't know. It's C-E-L-E-R-O-N. I wonder how far that is from New York City. Are we able to visit? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See their house? It's still there. Is it? Oh, yeah. I'd imagine. I think it's, if I remember right, I think it's that house that's still there that you can go visit. Isn't that funny? I think they did that with Abraham Lincoln's house. Or there's somebody whose house is still around. They're like, this is the house they grew up in. Like, Why? I mean, yeah. like, if I were to become famous and someone, like, looked at my parents' house and kept that up while I'm, I'm like, 60, 70, <laughs> this is the house that Scott grew up in. Like, yeah, it was, it was a house. Well, it's like Elvis Presley, too. Yeah. He's got oh, his I think big old mansion. I don't know if they did Elvis's house, too, but yes, he does. And they're like, this is where Elvis did. I don't know what the fascination with houses were. Like, there's magic in the house. Mm-hmm. When they moved in, Dee Dee's sister, Lola, was having a failed relationship, so her and her daughter was also living there. Oh, Jesus. So, needless to say, it was a full house. It's like the, the fucking Waltons over here. Like, millions of people. <laughs> but the, the one good thing is it foster a good nurturing environment for Lucy. Oh, that's good. Lucy's grandpa, Fred, would take her and her brother to vaudeville comedy. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know, which I know, Scott, you probably know what vaudeville comedy is. But it's a variety act such as comedy, singing, dancing, juggling acrobatics illusions ventriloquists yeah puppetry like a like a variety type show <laughs> it's a lot yeah <laughs> and it can be performed solo or in groups so it was just basically like a almost a circus mm -hmm. i would compare it to a circus just just a lot of entertainment and fun and well from what i understand that i know it's kind of like if you go see a stand-up now Mm. Except instead of just one person, you're getting a bunch of people doing his stuff. So you're not really like a circus with rides or something, but you're going oh, yeah. into like a theater type thing. And probably no animals. Uh, well, unless somebody's doing something with animals, like a show, like jumping off a horse or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I just imagined it was like a big stage where you just sat and watched it. Oh, yeah. Probably. The one thing that Lucy liked about it is the single person comedy mm -hmm. and how they connected with the audience. I figured, knowing mm -hmm. what I do about her, that that would probably connect. Yeah, 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 yeah. little foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> so Lucy's mom would remarry when she was seven to Edward Peterson. So when they got married, they didn't have employment. So 
her mom and her new stepdad left and left the kids. Oh, God. But instead of leaving them where they were at their current grandparents, they moved in with Ed's parents. Jeez. And they were nothing like Fred and Flora. Uh, Ed's parents were very strict Swedish couple uh, that didn't even allow Lucy to have a mirror. Oh, my God. You're going to have a mirror. For fear of, like, what, vampires coming in or something? Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> no. Is that what everyone, <laughs> Swedish folklore back then? Not to be vain. <laughs> Maybe. Even though she was, anyway. If you look in the mirror, you will love yourself more than you love Jesus. <laughs> but luckily, they only had to stay for, like, a year because Dee Dee was able to find a, a job in a factory in Jamestown, so they moved back in with her parents. That much to their parents' happiness, I imagine. I'm sure. They're like, look, we know it's the early 1900s, but like, there are other houses out there. I mean, I think, I don't know if that's just kind of how it was back then. I don't know. You know, you kind of stuck together because it was cheaper that way. Maybe so. But, I my, mean. Now, I mean, like my sister in the 90s, she moved out of my parents' house. And they, I remember my mom, like a few months later, being like, I'm just afraid she's going to have to move back in. No, no. <laughs> so, I, I just imagine that being, because she was like 18 or 17 at the time. Mm -hmm. So I just imagine Lucy's parents being like, oh, great. That was me. <laughs> I moved Did... out and then I had to go back. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Oh, I bet. But the thing about her new stepdad is that he didn't care for children. Oh, great. But, but I mean, same. Uh, but, yes, but yes. Still. <laughs> but, you know. If I married somebody with a kid, I would do my best. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. You took the words from my mouth. Or how about this? If you don't like kids, don't marry somebody with a kid. Yeah. Although I don't know how common it was for people to just be like, we don't want kids back yeah, then. Yeah, probably not. They were like, no, you do your duty and you populate this world. Exactly. Yeah. But the one thing that Ed did like was show business. Oh. He was a Shriner, which provided Lucy her first acting opportunity at the age of 12 as a chorus girl. For a show that the Shriners put on. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this really made Lucy fall in love with performing, uh, especially when comedy was involved. Mm -hmm. She also didn't mind the attention. I bet not. Yeah. So at the age of 13, she started dressing in short skirts to get attention from boys. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did they allow that back then? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Yeah. She seemed like she was kind of an assertive girl all through yeah her whole life <laughs> so this did get the attention of johnny debita was he in a gang <laughs> we'll just wait johnny debita <laughs> debita oh debita debita loca <laughs> his cousin danny devito oh yeah well his, danny devito is dad i imagine at this time but they started a relationship when lucy was 14 um did i mention that johnny was 23 Ugh. yikes not unheard of, I guess, now. But, no, even in 1925, this relationship would be illegal. Yeah. So. There was a girl I knew in high school that dated a guy who was, like, 25, and she was not 18. Yeah. Ooh. I was just like, how does your parents allow that? Okay, I won't lie. I dated older men when yeah. I was underage. I don't know why that happens. You, I mean, to girls, it's probably like, oh, I'm an adult. I feel like an adult. Probably because I never had a dad figure. Yeah. <laughs> or that too, maybe. I don't know. I'm guessing. Speaking of, I mean, she didn't. I mean, well, she had a stepdad, but we don't know. Right, yeah. Kind of oh, that's true, yeah. Well, he hated kids, he said, so I imagine he's not. He's pretty closed off. The only real role model she had was her grandpa, and that's it. But things 
shit happens later on. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we found a photo of her dad, if any existed, and he, exactly, he looked exactly like Desi. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> like, whoa. That'd, we know why. That'd be crazy. Yeah. So Lucy's mom was not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Because Johnny was known around town as a hoodlum. Of course. With a name like that, you pretty much gotta. Mm-hmm. When you come out of the womb, they give you a knife and a leather jacket. <laughs> so, uh, however, what he did bring in is some income. Because he was employed by his dad, who immigrated from Italy and ran a business selling insurance and produce. Yeah, insurance, quotation marks. Yeah. Produce, uh, quotation. <laughs> those two go together. <laughs> Sell some insurance while you're at it. Buy some oranges. Well, I don't know. I just imagine the Godfather. Like you know, he probably owns like a produce stand, and then he sells insurance for the for the neighborhood. Like, yeah, you don't want nothing bad to happen in your neighborhood, do you? Take my insurance. Oh shit. Also, take some oranges. I think you just uncovered something. <laughs> he also actually did treat Lucy very well. Oh, okay. Yeah, when she would go over to his family's house and eat. They would actually send extra food back home with her because they kind of knew that she wasn't very well off. Mm-hmm. And this kind of helped Dee Dee look the other way for a little bit. But eventually she had enough and sent Lucy off to drama school in New York City. Wow. Just to get her away from Johnny. All right. So going to drama school was Lucy's dream. Mm-hmm. However, she was so young that she wasn't ready to live on her own and go to school on her own. She also wasn't used to sharing attention. She was used to getting all the attention, but now she's going to this school that has other peers, kind of like her, like Betty Davis, and she kind of had to share a little bit. So is this where they got the inspiration for Last Night in Soho at the beginning, with all those girls hating on each other? No, maybe. I'm just kidding. I'm sure not, but... (laughs) Maybe. So this would drive Lucy back to her home in Celeron. Oh, she gave it up? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And she just went back to high school, where she was a cheerleader... She acted in school plays, she played the softball team, she was ice skater, and even rode horses. I'm like, damn. Pretty active. I mean, that's way more active than I ever wanted to be in high school. Well, I don't think they had TV at the time. So, I mean, can you imagine what we could get accomplished if we didn't sit around watching movies and TV? First off, we wouldn't have this podcast. Yeah. We could do whatever we wanted. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, this is the last the, episode. The thesis. No. <laughs> The thesis of this podcast is that people got so much done back in the day because they didn't have TV. Well, depending on the time that they were born. That's my problem. That's why I'm not getting everything done. Yeah, we just sit in front of the TV. Too much TV. (laughs) Cut it out, people. Listen to our podcast instead. Yes, podcasts are still good. Mm -hmm. And Lucy did show her fiery temper in high school. She actually picked up a typewriter and threw it at her teacher. So yeah, that, you know, that's fun. She actually ended up not graduating. Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. That reminds me of my dad. He happily, for some reason, tells this story. I'm sure back in the day when it happened, it was horrifying, but he was in a class. I forget what class it was, but the teacher was not a fan of his. And something happened to where the teacher asked him to get out. So he took his book and threw it at the chalkboard, like right by her head. Oh, shit. Like really hard. And and he was like, yeah, I picked that book up and pew. He's like, <laughs> I hit that chalkboard. And she was so mad. I'm like. Whoa. Yikes. <laughs> it was funny when he tells it, but when you think about it, you're like, oh. <laughs> That's a little scary. Yeah. I don't see your dad doing that, but. Well, not now. No, he's just a big old teddy bear. So, unfortunately, when Lucy came back from New York, she wasn't home long before a horrible accident that would scar her family and cause them to uproot their lives. Mm. So sad. Uh, Lucy's grandpa, 
uh, gave her brother Fred a 22 caliber rifle oh, on the boy. 4th of July. Yeah, I know. Here we go. This was shortly before his 12th birthday, which was on July 17th. And this was in 1927. So, of course, her brother Fred wanted to show it off and go shooting right away. So, Grandpa's like, yeah, sure, okay. So, some of the kids around the neighborhood came around and they were kind of shooting the rifle mm. and target practice. There was an eight-year-old boy who accidentally got shot in the back when one of the kids, not, not Fred, it was a different kid, just as the kid shot the rifle at their target, the eight-year-old boy's mom called him home. Mm-hmm. So he bolted towards his house, which was in the path of the bullet. Yikes. And the bullet went through his back and severed his spinal cord. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even though the little boy did live, it left him paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eight-year-old's mother ended up suing Lucy's grandpa for everything he had. Oh, my God. She was pissed. And she would even, like, afterwards in his wheelchair, just wheel him up and down the street and just yell, Fred did this to her son. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, she really, really had it. Unfortunately, that kid did end up passing away a few years later. I bet the quality of care they had back then wasn't great. Yeah, no. So, Grandpa Fred... Had to end up selling his home, which divided the family, and they were never the, the same tight-knit family again. That's awful. It was so sad. Yeah, he even, like, offered to pay for all the medical care and just really, he really tried to do everything he could. But this woman, this eight-year-old's mother, was just out for blood, which I don't blame her. I would be I get it. pissed. But, I mean, accidents. I'm sure... Them with a gun back in the day was more common. Right. And it was just an accident. And maybe she felt guilt that, you know, she called him and he ran in front of the gun. Oh, I bet. I bet. Because she was that kind of mom that if you didn't come right away, she would be pissed. Yeah. So that's why he darted. I mean, he was just like, wouldn't even matter what was coming. He would have gone. So this tragedy was very hard on Lucy. It ended up leaving her in a deep depression. But after a few years, she knew she had to give show business another shot. Because nothing happened to her brother for that? No. Oh. Yeah, it was because Grandpa Fred was the adult, so uh, he was the one that was responsible. Gotcha. Because, I mean, and it was actually a, a different kid. A different kid in the neighborhood shot mm-hmm. him. So, I mean, it was just weird. Yeah. There were some sources that said the brother Fred did it, but it wasn't. Hmm, strange. Her goal was to make enough money to provide for her family and bring them all back together again. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was her whole life, her whole her family. So she returned to New York uh, around the age 18 or 19. She would end up getting minor roles in stage production, but they didn't last long and they didn't pay the bills. So Lucy learned that Haiti Carnegie's, which is a famous salon, was hiring models. Oh, wow. So she modeled for a bit, but it was hard work. She had to change outfits like 20 to 30 times per day, which you may be like, well, so what? But that's a lot. Yeah. Even back then, I'm sure the thicker fabric or whatever. Oh, gosh. And if you've ever went and tried clothes on Mm -hmm. and, you know, you just try a few outfits on and I'm like, one, I'm never happy with them. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm done. I'm done with this already. Um, Yeah. But the one thing that she did like about modeling is that it allowed her to travel and she could have a social life yeah so definitely helped the stress a little bit but with stress it always catches up with you Mm -hmm. and it did for lucy 
in the form of pneumonia. Oh, boy. So she's a strong, independent woman and, of course, didn't get the rest that she needed. So the pneumonia ended up turning into rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, boy, that's awful. (laughs) That's like the worst kind of arthritis you can get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still to this day. It's very painful, yes. So she had no choice but to move back home to Jamestown. Her arthritis was so bad that she had to relearn how to walk. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, With her mother's help, it took two years to accomplish. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Can you believe it? Just fighting to get back to even walking? No. I mean, I know I I feel like I say this on every episode, but my car accident. (laughs) It was just a big thing in my life. Well, of course. It broke my left femur and right ankle and fractured a bone in my right hand. And I just remember struggling because I was in a wheelchair for a while. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, you know, having to go to physical therapy and everything else. It just, wow. So during this time, there wasn't physical therapy. It was just your mama. Yeah, I can't even imagine. But I mean, you have the will. I mean, walking is one of the major things we do. So exactly, you have a huge will to get to to do that again. Mm -hmm. So at this time, she was about 22. Uh, She'd lost her modeling connections and didn't have a high school diploma. But you know what? That didn't stop her. She remained positive and held her head high. Uh, She put all her cards out on the table and headed back to New York. (laughs) Here we go again. Back to New York. (laughs) And she's going to give modeling and acting a go again. She was able to get a modeling job for a high-end clothing boutique and started working under the name of Diane Belmont. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Classy name. I don't know why you change your name. I mean. Actors do that, you know. Kind of weird. But she also posed for commercial illustrators, and one of the painters sold her portrait to Chesterfield Cigarettes, which made her the new Chesterfield girl, because cigarettes were big. Back when they were healthy for you. Yeah. (laughs) Or so they thought. This is a big breaking point for Lucy, because it got her face out to a huge audience. Yeah. However, uh, it didn't give her any leading roles uh, like she hoped for. So Lucy said, screw New York. I'm out of here. Again. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> But she didn't go back home. She moved to Hollywood. Oh, okay. I mean, New York to fucking California? It always surprises me back then to hear about that because, I mean, gosh, how much? Well, maybe it wasn't, but you'd think it would be costly to do that. Yeah. Like if we were just be like, we're going to move to California. It's pricey as shit. I know, right? But this was back then where everything was under f- 25 cents, I imagine. Maybe. But still, you only made 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, you want to move out to California? That's 50 cents. Oh, my God. That's five years wages. <laughs> no joke. Uh, but she wanted to get a job in cinema. Yeah. And she wanted to get on the big screen. So she did secure a job as a chorus girl in the musical Roman Scandals, oh. the Busby Berkeley film. And just a fair warning, there's a lot of names from here on. And I am horrible at names. That's okay. So I may need Scott's assistance. We'll make it through this. But cinema was different back in the 1930s because synchronized sound had only been around for five years, Mm. which caused the musical genre just to boom. Like, it was all musicals. Synchronized sound is when audio syncs with what is happening on the screen. (laughs) I honestly didn't know what that was, so I haven't looked. Yeah, I imagine most before it had been like like black and white, like, (laughs) you know. They play the piano with it. Like, right. like the Three Stooges. Yeah, and then they're like, the people in the movies would be like, and they'd be like, hey, what are you doing here? Exactly. So it was still fairly new, so they were just, you know, 
getting used to it. And Busby Berkeley was not easy to work for if you're a woman. He treated women like objects um, who were good to look at, but not to be expressive. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this wasn't much different from her modeling job, so Lucy was like, whatever. Because she was a woman, she didn't get any credit for the films that she was in. Jeez. And wasn't treated part of the production. So, good times. Insane. Just absolutely insane to me. The one thing that did make her stand out is that she was willing to do crazy shit. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Another quote from Lucy is, quote, I guess after about six months out here in the 30s, I realized there was a place for me. Eddie Cantor and Sam Goldwyn found that a lot of real beautiful girls didn't want to do some of the things that I did. Put on mud packs and scream and run around and fall into pools. I said I'd love to do the scenes with the crocodile. He didn't have any teeth, but he could sure gum you to death. I, I didn't mind getting messed up. That's how I got into physical comedy, end quote. I just imagine her being like, I'm Lucille Ball and this is Jackass. <laughs> be like, I'm Lucille Ball and this is Alligator Wrestling. <laughs> with no teeth. Yeah, well, they don't have to know that. Oh, I guess they didn't care about animal cruelty back then. Oh, no, no, no. Do I? You know what's crazy is I watched a movie the other day, Riff Tracks. I've been watching a bunch of Riff Tracks. But they did a one from the 70s called Kingdom of the Spiders where these spiders invade a town. And these people are just stepping on them killing the spiders for real like they oh. pour boiling water on some of them holy shit and i'm like was this real i looked it up and it was like oh in the 70s spiders were not protected i guess they were like fuck spiders <laughs> damn those poor spiders yeah so now spiders were not protected so i'm sure back then i doubt there were even protections for that They're like there's a fucking bond movie where a stunt guy runs across crocodiles or alligators because he got across this river mm-hmm. he runs across them and they really did that Wow. Well, I mean, the alligators were, like, tied down and shit. Not their oh. mouths, though, but they were, like, tied to the bottom of this little pond. And you can see it. This dude has to do it several times, but he does. He runs across real alligators. Oh, my gosh. So they were like, animal protection, who? Yeah, things have changed. That's yeah. for sure. Gosh, you watch those old, what they call sword and sandals movies, like biblical time movies where mm-hmm. they're riding horses and shit. Um, their horses like falling down, you know, mm. they're like, oh, this horse in the movie gets shot, so it needs to fall down, so we'll trip it, and yeah, it's, it's not good times. Lucy did uh, land, also land a small role in a Three Stooges film called Three Little Pigskins in 1934. Oh, wow. So in that same year, in 1934, Lucy signed with RKO, which was a mid-level studio, and this was her ticket of getting her family back together. Oh, yeah. So even though the workload was... As much, if not more, than her modeling career in New York, she was getting paid more than anyone in her family. But she wasn't getting the big bucks like the major actors were, but enough money to purchase a house and talk her family into moving out west with her. Oh, wow. So they chucked it from New York and came out and lived with her. All right. So this was a very fulfilling time in Lucy's life because family was everything to her. In 1935, it would be her first credited role in RKO as a tourist in I Dream Too Much, a John Cromwell film starring Henry Fonda and Lily Pond. Oh, I know Henry Fonda. Yeah, right? I'm like, oh, I know that name. I can say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lucy was also in a romantic relationship with Pondro Berman, who was the producer of RKO. Oh, And he was also married. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
So I read in several sources that, I'm guessing, I hope I say his name right, Pandro, is the reason why Lucy got the RKO in the first place, got the job. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Um, Yeah. Well, I I would imagine. (laughs) Got the job, and it seems like she was a little promiscuous, you know, sleeping with whoever would move her ahead in her career. Yeah, sounds like it. Even if they were married. Boy. Very common back then, though. I know. I've done some research or I've read about old Hollywood because I just kind of, I'm fascinated by that era. And yeah, yeah, it happened a lot. I mean, especially when you're women because nobody really took you seriously. Yeah. So, I mean, you had to be bold. You had to do what you had to do. I'm still, I don't know. But he may have gotten her to the job with RKO, but she did not make it big. Oh, really? (laughs) So after Catherine Hepburn faded from the spotlight, the studio attached themselves to Ginger Rogers. And this was evident in an RKO film called Top Hat, and it starred Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Lucy did have an uncredited role as a flower clerk in the Top Hat. It seems she took any role possible to get herself seen. Yeah, this is what you got to do. All right. So the most significant role in RKO came in 1937, a film called Stage Door featuring Katherine Hepburn and Ginger Rogers. Lucy played... A moderately substantial role as a young actress, which she even received credit in the film for. As a note going forward, everybody, our neighbor has just started mowing. So if you hear that, send your letters to his address. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Bomb them with letters, not not with a real bomb. (laughs) Why were you winking when you said that? (laughs) At this time, Lucy was known as the Queen of Bees. All right. Because she was not able to get any substantial roles. So it was just like there was bee movies. Gotcha. Okay. So Queen of Bees. Yeah. So you would have to be an A to be, you know. Yeah. Bee movies. Yeah. That's that's what they, you know, the shit. Right. Right. Like Ed Wood. I don't know if he was making, my timeline is a little off, but he made terrible, terrible bee movies. Yeah. I think if somebody was to come up. To Lucy and be like, hey, you want to be in this movie? She'd be like, yeah. She she didn't even care what it was. She was Nick Cage. She's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got a movie? I'll be in it. (laughs) Well, this joke would have been funny before we found out he has aphasia, but she would have been the Bruce Willis. Oh. Oh, I guess. Okay. He was taking everything and anything. But, you know, very sadly, we did find out it was because it was aphasia. But he was in some pretty crappy movies. I hope it funds his... Funds his care, whatever he needs it for, though. Yeah. She was the Nick Cage. <laughs> Let's just go back to that. Okay. So something that was overlooked in Lucy's career, and I didn't even know about it until I read it, was that she worked in radio. Oh. She enjoyed the live interaction much more than acting, which with acting, you it involves a lot of editing and everything like that. But live interaction, you just add it. Yeah. I could not do that. Well, we're kind of doing radio right now. I know, and you see how bad I am? <laughs> uh, her first job in radio was the Phil Baker Show, which ran through 1938. She would also join the Wonder Show, which only lasted a year, but had great impact on Lucy's sense of comedy. All right. I'm really not sure when Lucy slept or had free time, because on top of RKO and radio, she also had a theater job. Does it say anything about her using drugs? Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Well, I just know that they were pretty popular. Like, God, Judy Garland, they fed that girl 
drugs to keep her up and going. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't even... I don't, you know, talk out of turn. Of course, you know, she could have not, but, you know, I just, I've read some things where actors were doing that, like candy back then. Maybe. But she played a young actress dealing with difficult directors, so she mainly played herself. She knew how to do that. Yeah. The comedy play was called Hey Diddle Diddle. Oh. Oh, right. Unfortunately, the theater job would only last a week due to the main star, um, Conway Tierly, but he got sick. So in 1940, this is when Lucy would meet her future husband, Desi. Oh, hello. Yeah, Desi Arnaz. She met him in a popular play called Too Many Girls, because he's a player. Which proved me wrong going forward here, but does that foreshadow their life? Okay. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I seem to remember. Yes, it does. Their relationship moved real fast. Mm-hmm. They moved in together, and on November 30th, 1940, which I don't know exactly when Too Many Girls came out, so, but I'm guessing this is just a few months, they were married. Oh, well. So during this time, if you weren't married, you were considered an old maid. And I can only imagine that was a label that Lucy did not want to be tagged in. Oh, my God. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? The one where the mm-hmm. it's it's the movie where all this bad shit happens to this guy and then he wishes he was never alive and he gets to see what the world would be like without him or his town and I it's all shitty. So. Uh-uh. Well, it's funny he sees what his wife would have become if he never was alive, and he's like, "Where, where?" It's Jimmy Stewart, so he has his voice, but he's like, "Where, where's my wife at? Where, where's she at?" And they're like, "Oh, she's unmarried, so she's an old maid." And he's like, "No." Oh, yeah. So how fucking funny is that? Where he's like, "Oh yeah, she, she's." 30 something so she's an old maid right it's so stupid yeah <laughs> i was like oh my gosh i can't even believe it so she's probably like hmm i met this you know attractive guy hey, yeah hey and he's gonna probably move me up in the career and people are just waiting to start calling me an old maid because next year is the cutoff for me <laughs> right <laughs> yeah she was almost 30 <laughs> so she should have been a stay-at-home wife with like eight kids yeah yeah. Wow, how funny is that? I thought it was just like them showing that the the wife or the in It's a Wonderful Life just showing that, you know, she was thought badly ab- about. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know it was a fucking like thing, thing. that people yeah. just said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. like, Old maids. Like, Crazy. But Desi was suave, handsome, and appeared to be on the road to be a star. So this was attractive to Lucy. Yeah. Was he? He was Cuban, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was her ticket to fame, which, I mean, it really was. <laughs> He's probably like... Yes, I have an idea for a show. It's called I Love Desi. And she's like, hmm, I think I can change that. Yeah, exactly. But Desi was six years younger than Lucy. Oh, wow. They were really not comfortable with that. So what they did is they split the difference and told everyone that they were born. They were both born in 1914, which would take three years off Lucy's age and add three to Desi's. So I thought we should do this. We should start doing that. Yep. We were both born in 1984. Okay. If you guys can do math, you know our age difference. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know when I'm born. I'll just come out and say it. We're eight years apart. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which, I don't care. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Shelly is eight years older than I am. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I'm the old lady. I'm the old lady of the house. Well, yeah, you, you were the old maid when we met. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And now you're the old No, none of that's true. I know. But um, yeah, 1984, okay. Yeah, so I'm four years younger. I'm, I'm back in my 30s. Great, I'm whoop, whoop. almost 40. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in two years, I'll be pretend 40. <laughs> oh. 
So another thing that attracted Lucy to Lucy to Desi is that he came from a wealthy family. Mm. He was born in Cuba, so you nailed it, where his father was mayor and his mom was heir to the Bacardi rum fortune. God damn, yeah. Like, whoa. Was his father Fidel Castro? No, I'm just kidding. I do um, know that something happened in Cuba. Oh, I didn't write it all down. Yeah. But him and his mom had to flee. To, I imagine. To the, the United States. Again, my timeline on when everything went down was, but I imagine that was probably Fidel Castro and the people. I think so. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. We won't go into that. Yes. I don't have any good information. And historians out there yelling at me, give me a break. I didn't, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't research that. I'm from America. I don't know anything other than American history. I got 12 pages here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, it was they fled because of the Cuban Revolution. Yeah, okay, that sounds familiar. In 1942, Lucy would land a big role in the RKO film The Big Street. No. Oh. Where she played a singer who lost all her money and had to swallow her pride and befriend a busboy. Oh, my God. I mean, how do you get so low? I don't know. That's pretty dark. So her role was big, but the film was doomed from the beginning with an inexperienced director Uh-oh. called Irving Reese. Cecil B. DeMille. No. <laughs> no, that guy was a huge director back then. What was it, Irving Reese? Irving Reese. Have you ever heard of him? Uh-uh. Yeah, me neither. That was probably a reason. Yeah. <laughs> but Desi didn't help things because he became very jealous of the best boy, thinking that Lucy would be having an affair with him. So, Yeah. If you didn't, you didn't see it, but Scott rolled his eyes. Oh, yes. Because aren't the people that think that, like, the other person's cheating usually cheating themselves? Hey, did you read this? I didn't, but I just, I know his, I know, <laughs> I know bits and pieces. I didn't know much of Lucy's backstory, but we're getting into stuff that I knew. Yeah, no, you're right. You're 100% right. The film did flop, and shortly after that, Lucy would sign with MGM. Oh. Which I never heard of RKO, but I've heard of MGM. I've heard of them. Like I said, I've, I've read a little bit about the... The golden age of Hollywood and mm-hmm. RKO pictures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Back then when the studios were like the big thing, where they were like, oh, I signed with MGM. Right. Ooh, now it doesn't really happen. That's that's why this is all talking studios, because yeah. that was the big thing. Yeah, back then you'd be like, oh, I only make MGM studio films. Mm-hmm. But uh, now it doesn't. You can do whatever you want. Because she started out being a freelance, mm-hmm. so it wasn't with any studio, and then she signed on and blah, blah, blah. You can read about that. I think... I can't remember who, but I'm like looking up like Humphrey Bogart or something. They'd be like, oh, he made MGM movies or RKO, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It, again, history, fuzzy, because I read it like a long time ago when I was interested or looked it up. But I'm sure, I think that's what they did is they signed contracts for specific studios. I mean, reading this, I mean, after doing research on Lucille Ball, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, MGM had Lucy dye her hair an even more pronounced shade of red because as the RKO... RKO's films were mainly black and white. MGM was high class and was turning techno color. Well, I was wondering, did she, I was going to ask you this before, but did she even have red hair when she was born? I don't believe so. I don't believe red, no, I don't think red's her real color. Okay. I didn't, I wanted to say I remember hearing something like that, but I didn't know. Yeah. They said that the red hair would produce a heightened visual impact. So there's that. Okay. Because I was going to say, if she's in Catherine Hepburn and she's in movies, I mean, Catherine Hepburn was a known redhead. So, like, they got her and Lucille Ball, but Lucy was not probably redhead at the time, I wonder. I'm not sure. Can't answer that. Her first role with MGM was called Dewberry Was a Lady. Oh. It was set to release in 1943. 
the main attraction of this film was the music played by Tommy Dorsey and his band. Have you heard of them? I think so. Tommy Dorsey sounds familiar. I don't know anything. Um, about also, quick update, and I will not do this anymore. She was naturally a brunette. Okay. I was going to say brown, but I wasn't sure. I'm putting my phone down. <laughs> I'll, I need to make notes so I can be like, oh, I'll look that up later. I'm no, curious. You're fine. Tommy no. Dorsey and his band. And if you're curious, then our listeners are curious. They need to know. They need to know everything. Yeah. But this big budget film did not hit it big. During the shooting of the film in 1942, Lucy's marriage to Desi would be challenged. I wonder why. Yeah. Not for what you're thinking. Oh, okay. He was actually drafted for the service. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. World War II was around. Um, But it was customary for celebrities to serve in a limited capacity Mm -hmm. and he also had a documented knee surgery so this kind of helped him stay out of combat oh nice Mm -hmm. he remained in los angeles uh, where he would help the united states organize programs to help soldiers return from the pacific i think james stewart from it's a wonderful life i think he was a pilot so Hmm. i know there were some some people back there or celebrities that actually did stuff okay yeah by the real quick story my great grandfather or my great uncle on my dad's side my grandpa's brother uh, was on. He was in the navy and was in the same carrier that Elvis was on during the war. Oh shit! Yeah. Said he didn't get to meet him, but yeah, they were all like, "Oh, Elvis is on this ship." That's oh, Elvis pretty is cool. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, was he among the people?" He's like, "No, <laughs> no, he was not in the same place as the regulars." <sighs> so another challenge, and this one you can expect of a challenge for their marriage is that Desi was a cheater. Oh, who saw that coming? Yeah. And this is where in my notes, I'm like, from my experience personally, <laughs> if you're being accused of cheating, then the other person is cheating. Yes. So they pro- it's just a weird psychology thing. It's like they project. Yeah. I'm guessing like a guilty conscience. I don't know. But then if they have a conscience, why are they cheating? People, people's mm-hmm. psychologies are weird, man. Yeah, They're just right. like, I'm cheating. They must be cheating, but I don't want to lose the stability that I've got. It's just weird. So being a cheater is bad, but also being a drinker ah. is bad when you have a temper. And uh, this is what caused Lucy to file for divorce in 1944. However, they ended up reconciling. Okay. Even though nothing changed. Oh, wow. So he was still an angry drinker. That cheated on her. It's like, Lucy, you can come back. You're like, we can still be married. I'm not changing anything. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm like, how did this reconcile? I don't know. He must have promised her something in the movies or that she would be a star or something like that. Are you forgetting that I am the heir to the Bacardi rum family? (laughs) You're like, oh, shit. So in 1946, uh, this was a very busy year for Lucy. I mean, you think she's been busy now, but just wait. Yeah. Uh, She was in a field called... Zigfield Follies, involving many directors, including Vincent Manilli and Charles Walters. Okay. She also appeared in the film Easy to Wed, acting alongside Van Johnson, Esther Williams, and Keenan Wynn. Some of them maybe sound familiar. <laughs> I know. This is so, like, back then, I'm not, I'm not as familiar, but I'm Which sure. Is scary. Of- because, yeah. like, 60, 80 years from now, they're going to be like, oh, have you ever heard of Jack Black? <laughs> I know. Who is that? Yeah. But 
but I'm sure some of our listeners know who this is, and that's kind of oh, that's yeah. kind of why I put all the names in there. If we know? have older listeners, I'm sure. Yeah. And if we were more movie buffs back in the old days, we probably would know. Exactly. Like, oh, Van Johnson. Maybe we will learn one day. Yeah, we could start watching older movies. Easy to Wed didn't hit it big, but the banter between the married couple would come to play in the scene from I Love Lucy. It's kind of a married couple bantering. That's so they what were, it is. They played the married couple in the movie. No. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, Lucy and somebody else did. And so, okay. Not Desi. So from that, they were like, oh, I like the banter. She should have her own show. No. Okay. That's coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just wait. It's, it's, I'm warming, the, I'm warming you up. Okay. She also acted in Two Smart People, directed by Frenchman Jules Dazen. Uh, in this film, Lucy was a scam artist, being one of the two of the smart people is the name of the title oh. of the film, which was a completely different role for her. So it was nice to do something a little different. Yeah. She still wasn't able to secure any significant roles. So she ended it with MGM and returned to freelancing. Like, screw you. I'm out of my own again. All right. So 1948, she was hired to play a role of Liz Kugat on the CBS radio program called My Favorite Husband, which would really come into play for the future sitcom I Love Lucy. So you were, you were close. Getting there. Um, things were going well with CBS. Oh, things were going well. So CBS was like, hey, you want to do the same thing, but just live on TV? Yeah. And Lucy's like, yeah, sure. But only if Desi can play my husband. They're like that drunk? And because she's like, I'm really sick of him accusing me of cheating when he's out there cheating. Yeah. And CBS was like, yeah, we're not interested in your marriage issues. So... (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to work for us. What is this, the 40s or 50s at this time? <laughs> Around? Yes. They're like, uh, we don't talk about that shit. Yeah. So Lucy was like, peace out. Really? Yeah. She's like, nope, not going to do it. So what happened is that they both, uh, Lucy and Desi, would go on a world tour portraying their characters that we that would later become known as I Love Lucy. But instead on TV, it was in a more vaudeville format. It was a huge success. Kind of like heightened, yeah. Yeah. I mean, CBS, because Desi would like play his music and Lucy would, you know, do her acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were just, they were dynamite together. Yeah, it's huge. That's, you think of Lucille Ball, that's what you think of. Right. So CBS like, uh, yeah, we kind of change our mind on this because what you're doing is kind of a good success. So this is when I Love Lucy was born, which was 1951. 51, all mm-hmm. right. The one clever thing that, I mean, Desi was a good businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a stipulation that they would have production rights and receive all ro- royalties from the show. Damn. So CBS is like, yeah, but that's going to cost extra. So Lucy and Desi ended up paying because I guess they had to. Yeah, because CBS was hiring them, but they're like, yeah, but we want kind of everything. Mm-hmm. And CBS is like, yeah, you're going to have to pay us for that. Gotcha. So they paid a lump sum. And they ended up having production rights and got all the royalties from the show. Because CBS was like, yeah, this is a hit, but I don't know how big it's going to be. And they, yeah. were, they were wrong. Dude, that's kind of like uh, another example that I can think of is like Tool. When they first started, they were like, Tool was basically like, can we take more money? Can we take less money from you guys so we can make our own videos? They're like, sure. Like, can we take less money from you guys and have more like control over our music? They're like, Sure. The studio, the studios, from what the band tells it, were like, you want less money to take, what, 
royalties on this music that we don't even know is going to be a hit? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're saving money right now. Right yeah. now is what we think about. Yeah. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. So around this time, Lucy was trying to get pregnant, but she had several miscarriages. Uh, uh, in 1951, um, more than the hit TV show I Love Lucy was born, so was her daughter, Lucy. Oh. Which was L-U-C-I-E. Okay. So just a different spelling. Which I would find it weird if I had a daughter and named her Shelly. Yes. I, I would be like, I'm talking to myself. S-H-E-L-L-Y. <laughs> Right. Not E-Y. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, my dad, Ronald, named me Ronald. Mm-hmm. But I think he was just kind of like, eh, Scott. <laughs> Let's call him Scott. Right. And that's, I don't know. And you not being a junior's weird. Well, not the same middle name. Okay. Oh, I see. Ronald Lee, Ronald Scott. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, But this was perfect. I mean... Desi and Lucy would be together to do the show and raise their daughter. It would be the perfect life that Lucy had always dreamed of. It was going to happen. But unfortunately, it did not happen. The only time Lucy saw Desi was on set doing the I Love Lucy show. Oh, shit. Because the other times he was at his boat supposedly playing cards with the guys. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you watched the movie with Nicole Kidman that came out last year, I Mm -hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Did that cover this time period? It did. And was it kind of accurate from what you read? Yes. Oh, okay. Some of it. The only thing they blew up, which is what we'll talk about here in a minute, and I don't want to give it away, so okay. I'm not going to talk about it. But yeah, they, they covered all of this and the cheating and oh, well. drinking. I think I think there was drinking in there. Was Nicole Kidman pretty good as Lucy? I thought she was. I think she got nominated. Yeah, I thought she did great. Yes. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that her hair wasn't redder, though. Really? It was more, to me, it was more of a pinkish red. Oh. <laughs> it was a light, very, very light red. And and Javier Bardem was, was Desi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he's an attractive man, mm-hmm. but not who I would have thought yeah. Desi would look like. You know what I mean? But anyway. But they did come together long enough in 1952 that she got pregnant again. Hello. hey You only need one night for that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> About. <laughs> what are you going to say? Like, what, five seconds? <laughs> say five minutes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Idealist over here. Five minutes. Uh, so she had to break the news to CBS that she was pregnant. Um, and they were like, what, what, what? Like, We've only been on the air for like a year. And now you're going to have to go off and have a baby? Yeah, which I find weird. It's like now they would hide it. Like, we've watched shows where they've hidden it. Like, mm-hmm. we did uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the cop show. Right. The, his his girlfriend, then wife, was pregnant a few times during the show. Exactly. And you can tell they were hiding it with, like, clothes and stuff. Yeah, and they did say, we can only hide your baby bump for so long. Yeah. Um, Put it behind couches or have her sit down. Yeah. <laughs> but Desi was like, oh, no. Uh, she'll still be on the show. And... CBS is that's when they were like oh well, we can't hide her baby bump Jesus which I wonder if it was scandalous to show a pregnant woman back then yeah you're 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 giving it away buddy oh okay because hold your horse I just know because like dude in in um Psycho the movie Psycho they mm-hmm. show a toilet in that movie which was considered scandalous at the time because they oh. haven't sh- they had not shown a toilet before Ooh. so imagine people would have lost their fucking minds like pregnant they they, they had sex I do naughty things on this toilet <laughs> I do things that God will hate me for. 
But Desi was like, no, no, she'll be pregnant on the show and uh, she'll give birth on TV, which I was like, damn. Um, but meaning <laughs> <laughs> we're going to film it, <laughs> meaning that Lucy's character right. will be on TV. Not not that she'll actually be showing the real life birth. Cause yeah, that would be a horror movie. Cause damn. Um, and CBS is like, oh, no, no, there's a haze code in effect since 1930s mm-hmm. that Hollywood can't show prego women on TV. And, uh, yeah, Desi's pretty stubborn, kind of like Lucy, and he wouldn't take no for an answer. So that's what happened. So it turns out that Lucy was prego on TV, and it was the best decision because the ratings went through the roof. Because this is nothing anybody's ever seen. Yeah, it's like, what's the big deal? They're a married couple. Mm-hmm. What do married people do back then? They have babies. It's dumb. Yeah, and they're not showing it come out. So, yeah, just all of a sudden the next episode, we had the baby. Here's the baby. Right. I don't get it. There, It just reminds me of that scene in Pleasantville where the guy travels into the TV show and it's all in black and white. And at the beginning of it, they show this like uh, bed store where they're having beds and it's like two separate beds for a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie goes on and everybody's becoming like wilder because this guy's in town, these people are freaking out and it shows like there is a single bed that they're now selling. <laughs> and people are like, what the fuck is that single bed? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys touch? That's weird. <laughs> But in 1953, their son, Desi Jr., was born on the same day the show aired uh, her character on TV giving birth. Oh. That was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, The show was popular. It had more viewers than the inauguration of President Eisenhower and the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. Damn. I know. The only person that would win over in ratings was Elvis Presley. Oh, of course. who, Who appeared... On the Ed Sullivan show in September 9th, 1956. That's considered like, next to the Beatles, that's considered like one of the highest marks of, yeah. But imagine you're like, ah, Queen Elizabeth, nah, I'd rather watch I Love Lucy. Well, I imagine for Americans, I mean, like, I don't understand why why Americans are so enthralled with the British. Yeah, I don't know. Like, when Princess Di died, my mom was like always watching the news about that. She's like, oh, Princess Di, wow, that's crazy. I mean, I guess I was kind of the same. Yeah. I was just like, oh, God, no. She seems so nice. Yeah, I guess I understand that. But like, you know, oh, they're taking over the queen ship. I'd be like, that doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> I, I, okay, that's interesting, I suppose. So after World War II uh, ended, Congress went a little nutty and started to investigate Americans who were suspected to be a communist. Here we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. fucking terrible time. So... I don't like politics, but here we go. The nuttiest of all seemed to be Senator McCarthy. Joseph McCarthy. (laughs) (laughs) Who said he had a list of communists throughout the government and was checking it twice. Yeah. We need to watch a movie called Trumbo. It's the guy, Dalton Trumbo, was a screenwriter during this time frame. Mm -hmm. And he was a communist or supported communism. Um, this is before I think communism went off the rails and, you know, cause back then it was like, we're all equal. Yeah. Like everybody gets an equal share of the government. And, you know, of course it turned out to be the few people were like, yes, everybody, but we get the most. <laughs> so yes, McCarthy and, and, but Trumbo takes place during this time and shows how he was outcast for being a communist. Uh, he was outed during the McCarthy trials. Wow. He even wrote a movie under a pseudonym because he couldn't he was blacklisted from Hollywood and he won an Oscar and somebody else had to take it, get up there and get it for him because they thought it was under a different name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Fucking John Wayne was the head of the 
Actors Guild, I think, and he was a he's a huge commie hater. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. So when McCarthy was asked about his list, he would just accuse that person of being a communist. Yeah, they called it like the McCarthy witch trials. Oh, yeah. fucking stupid. I have my own name, um, but I mean, so he's gaslighting these people. Mm-hmm. Just so stupid. But the famous uh, victims of the communist hunt which I think that's what I call the communist hunt. I don't think yeah. that was in anything I read. I was just like, yeah, seems like it was a hunt, like a witch hunt. Yeah. Uh, were Hollywood actors like Charlie Chaplin, whose un-American activity was being neutral at the beginning of World War II. World War II. That's yeah. kind of hard to say. Uh, so I would have been screwed during this time because I'm very neutral. Yeah. Well, I mean, God, it, it's still happening today, or it was. I mean, you think of when um, the war on terror started because of 9-11. If you were like, I don't know if this is a good idea for us to go over there, I'd be like, you fucking hate America. Yeah. <laughs> you get out of America. Yeah. It was like, um, we don't have a plan to get out of there. We're going to be over there forever. Who knows when this is going to end? Mm-hmm. Be like, how dare you? How dare you? 9-11 happened. Yeah, yeah. So people are just out for blood. Yeah. And especially if you have a person like McCarthy being like, oh, there's communists among us and they want to destroy our lives. Yeah. I mean, it's scary probably to some people. It's like cult. Like being a cult. Mm-hmm. Well. Ten other Hollywood actors that were accused refused to appear before the Communist Hunt Committee. So they were cited in contempt and blacklisted. I don't know what those ten were. I just read ten, and I didn't want to research it. I know Elia Kazan was one of them that named names. He directed a movie with Marlon Brando called On the Waterfront. Um, But yes, he named names because I think, I forget where he was from, but they were going to deport him back to wherever he came from, uh, which was a very, very crazy situation during that time it was his his country was in upheaval mm. so he named names a lot of problems with that people were like oh he turned on his friends you know he outed people and he g- ended up getting an oscar in the 90s 2000s yeah. 90s i would imagine uh they gave him an honorary oscar and uh, many people in the audience refused to stand wow yeah ed harris being one of them him and his wife sat while every some people else stood up and applauded him so, yeah, still feeling that shit today. They were like, he's a rat. <laughs> yeah, even though Lucy and Desi were both conservative, um, in the 1930s, Lucy checked a box registering as a communist due to the influence of her grandfather. She was only 19 at the time and probably just doing what she thought was right. Yeah, just... like me being a Republican when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you're young. You don't know what really is going on okay grandpa says to check this box i'm gonna check it so a writer would end up publishing that uh in in the 1940 lucy was just happy to loan her home for the communist parties so this forced lucy to testify before the communist hunt committee in 1953 that's fucking crazy there in the movie trumbo there is a lady who plays like this gossip columnist who was very famous at the time Mm. but yeah she would out people left and right yeah it's probably like that yeah because that's i mean it wasn't true at all she never opened her home to communists yeah but she was able to squash any suspicion that uh, she was a communist by explaining that she voted for President Eisenhower in 1952, and she identified with the public as conservative. So they were like, okay, you're cool. Yeah. And then Desi would later joke and say, quote, the only thing read about Lucy is her hair, and even that's not legitimate. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> so 
That was pretty funny. Well, this red scare did do a little damage on Hollywood. Um, it didn't affect the I Love Lucy show. Uh, the, yeah, and I did put that the 2021, the movie being the Ricardos, did focus a lot on Lucy being a communist. Oh, really? I didn't know it was about that. I thought it was just about the show and how yeah. it was done. I mean, it was like, oh, no, the show might end. She's going to be accused as a communist because, you know, all everybody will just turn her back, yeah. turn their back on her. and But she ended up, you know, being cleared, and Desi did this whole speech, and... It was a thing. I it, don't know if he did that in real life, but yeah, he did it on the movie. It's almost like in early 2000s, your career was over if you identified as Muslim. Yeah, right? Fucking, God, this country sometimes, man. I know. But it was just, a, from what I've read, it was just like a little like, woo, oh no. Glad oh no. that's over. Can't have this. Let's just shut it down real quick and then move on. Yeah. So that's what happened. Um, I'm surprised they weren't more so after Desi being from Cuba. <laughs> right? <laughs> No, he was fine. He didn't check the box. So. I guess not. He's, he was totally fine. He was smart enough. <laughs> like, I love America. Or, I don't know what accent that is. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, so Lucy and Desi's marriage was still in trouble. Yeah. You know, because nothing's changing. He was a secret communist. She yeah. found out. <laughs> and it became harder to do the show. Uh, they ended up selling the episodes to CBS for $4.3 million Woo. Uh, in 1956, which today is over $5 billion. Gow! Once the show was sold, there didn't seem to be a reason to keep going with, with the I Love Lucy. So the last episode aired May 6, 1957. Ending the show still did not help their marriage. Uh, so instead of going to marriage counseling or, you know, trying to talk it out on your own. <laughs> counseling back then? Are you kidding? Yeah, no. None of that. Desi bought RKO Studios for $6 million. Jesus. Yeah, and he made his Desi Lou production an empire. All um, right. Crazy. With all that, the work that came with owning a studio, they still had too much free time. I mean, Jesus. So the <laughs> they had like a couple minutes a day to see each other, and that was too much. <laughs> so what do they do? They created the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour, oh. which was aired uh, 1958 to 1960. Wow, not too long, huh? Yeah. So with the studio and this comedy hour, Desi just was drinking and drinking and drinking and still cheating and cheating and cheating. Good lord. So Lucy finally was like, you know what, dude? I'm just done. I've had enough. So she filed for divorce. And it wasn't a nasty divorce. All right. They, they were a very amicable couple. And they had how many kids, do you know? Two. Two? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Desi's like, you can have the kids. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, I'm too busy with the studio. I take the money. You take the kids. <laughs> they only needed one lawyer to sort out the finances. So it wasn't like each one of them had to have their own lawyer. Yeah. Uh, so Lucy was like, I'm free. <laughs> I'm moving back to New York, baby. Celebrate. <laughs> so she took her kids. She moved to New York to recreate herself. Uh, this is when she acted in the musical play called Wildcat. She really wasn't feeling it, though. She didn't like how feminine the dancing was. Oh. And she was constantly sick. Oh. So I think it kind of stressed her out. And maybe being divorced was a little weird. Sure. The Wildcats ended in 1961, and Lucy would marry her second husband um, that same year, five days after meeting him. <laughs> 
She has a pattern. <laughs> yeah. What was his name? Uh, <laughs> her second husband was Gary Morton. Oh, um, not Cuban. Yeah, he was Jewish. Okay. A Jewish comedian and producer. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Who He really seemed like a genuine guy. And they stayed married until her death. Wow. So. Good. Yeah. Because how long were they married, Desi and her? About 20 years or so? Go ahead. I'm pulling my phone up. <laughs> so Desi was like, damn, owning the studio is just still a lot of work. So Lucy bought his shares in 1962, which is when the S was put back in D's. D's what? D's balls. <laughs> Lucy's balls. <laughs> did you have that set up? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, I was like, when I read that, I was like, oh, I can do a D's joke. D's, yeah. Um, also, to follow up, they Lucy and Desi were married 20 years. Okay, so you're right. Yeah. I'm paying attention. Yeah. So this was the hardest. I, I think I've said this before, but this, this time was the hardest Lucy ever worked in her life. If you thought the other times were hard, <laughs> this was harder. She was really on those drugs. Kenny, I don't know that for sure. Yeah. I mean, but how do you do that? Well, I did, when we started this and I asked the question, all I could find was they found poppers in her system when she died, which was just... Lucille? Lucille Ball? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the reason, there there may be a reason for okay. that. So while acting in Wildcat, she realized that the people wanted more of Lucy Ricardo's character. So this is when the quasi-sequel to I Love Lucy called The Lucy Show started. Oh, okay. It aired from 1962 to 1968. The show was a hit. Vivian from I Love Lucy, which played the other couple. Oh, uh, Fred and Ethel? The, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was Ethel. The wife. Was she like a single woman in this show? Yep. Oh. Yep. Wow. It was her and and Lucy. They lived together um, with their children, and they just kind of helped each other out and raised their kids together. All right. Um, being heterosexual. Of course. <laughs> yeah, they worked together. <laughs> but Lucy decided to end the show in 1968 and sold her shares of Desilu production to Gulf Plus Western. That's how it was, Gulf Plus. It wasn't and. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of them. I'm sure it was Gulf and Western if it had the plus sign in there. Maybe. Probably Gulf and Western. Gulf and Western, we'll say. That sounds better. I'm like, plus? What? But Lucy can never be off screen for long. By 1968, Here's Lucy started, which had both her kids in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and <laughs> I bet she also tried to talk uh, Gary Morton into playing her husband. Yeah. But he was like... Nah, that didn't work out for you and Desi, (laughs) so I'm just going to hang back. No, not a good track record there. (laughs) And that's just my own thoughts. Yeah. I did not read that anywhere. The show was popular, but in the 1970s, the early 1970s, her kids didn't really want to follow in their parents' footsteps. Uh. So they headed out to do their own thing. The show was canceled in 1974 with a mutual agreement between Lucy and CBS. Lucy's final role was 1974 in the musical called Mame. Hmm. It's pretty popular. I bet. She was 63 years old, but boy, she looked amazing. Really? I watched like a little clip of it, and I'm all like, what, she's 63? (laughs) Holy shit, I only hope I age as gracefully. Yeah. Which, since you're younger, I better. Jesus Christ. Well, you're only, what, three years older than I am? (laughs) Four now. (laughs) (laughs) But over the next several years, she would star in several television specials, but nothing major. 
She was just chilling with her husband and living her life. But Lucy can't chill for long, you know? Yeah, it's like some of the, she seems like a person, and there are tons of people that just can't sit still. Mm-hmm. I'm looking across from one right here. <laughs> Shelly's been sick not too, you know, recently, and she just would not stop. Yeah, it just got worse, which is why we had to kind of change up the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Anyway. But she got the itch to be on the TV again. She attempted a comeback in 1985, appearing in Stone Pillow as an old homeless woman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She tried another sitcom called Life with Lucy, which is remembered just because she was a 75-year-old woman in this sitcom. Because that's not really anything that happens then or now. Right. Really. I mean, you're older and you're like, okay, see you later. But this all failed. And the failure of this kind of drove her into a depression that she sadly would not recover from. She also suffered the loss of Desi Arnaz to lung cancer on December 2nd, 1986. I say that only because they remained friends. Did they? Yeah. I mean, they talked and and they really did care for each other. They just weren't good being married. Yeah. They still had kids. So that's good that they still talked and everything. Yeah. they They were much better at being friends. Because then Desi can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Shortly after this, her health would decline and she would suffer a heart attack in 1988, which would result in open heart surgery. Oh, wow. Yikes. She seemed to be on the mend, so she presented the 1989 Academy Awards. Unfortunately, this would be the final time she appeared on television because one month later, she suffered an aortic aneurysm and passed away on April 26, 1989. At 78 years old. Damn, I was a little over a year old at that point. Yeah. But Lucy was a role model for female comedians, and her career showed that you don't have to be all glam and fam, but you can succeed through strong connections created through the audience. Yeah. The end. I learned quite a bit. I didn't know so much, and yes, I think, you know, it sounds like anybody's life. You know, they have hard times. Right. They have hard times, and then they kind of overcome it yeah and i just can't believe how hard she worked for like her whole ass life yeah whole life it was insane and it was so cool just researching everything and as you can tell i wrote it up and i read some of it and i'm new to this so forgive me if i sounded not as storytelling but i'll I'll get better yeah i thought you did fine this is my first time so well very cool i mean that's kind of we like doing this i'm gonna Start one if I get off my ass. Yeah, I'm on my second one, almost done with it. But we may not have these very often just because they do take a lot of time. Yes. To do a lot of research and write up and and all of that. And, and unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time, especially when I start school again. Yeah, because... You know, we the next episode we have won't address this because we made the decision since. Yeah, it does take some time, like, to do the research. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you guys do have suggestions, just email us, thefilmobsessedcouple at gmail.com. Depending on the amount of requests we get, you know, depends on what we'll do with that or if we get any requests at all. Yeah. I would like to do a few. Uh, or I have some people in mind that I think would be interesting to do. Again, it's just... Man, the research is not very appealing to me. I know. I always hated writing research papers in school. Um, But yeah, this was just something that you came up with, and I'm glad we did this first one because it was very interesting, and I thought I had a good time. Good. I'm glad. I I thought I had a a good time. (laughs) I was very nervous, so hopefully the next one will go a little better. Yeah, I think you did great. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. 
yeah, thank you. We'll see you next time. We will still be doing movies. But yeah, we'll mm-hmm. release this in the future. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.